As I'm sure you can imagine, it's an interesting exercise to go for a walk dressed in a religious habit. A few weeks ago, a group of us had a meeting at City Hall, of all places, and we parked about three blocks away, and as we're walking down uh, the street there, I think it was, um, it was probably Madison Street, uh, you know, the combination of incredulous looks, shock, irritation, fear, uh, curiosity, it was quite something to behold. Uh, we're not used to public displays of religion and uh, public displays of one's faith. This is a shame. If you went back 50 years ago, 60 years ago, you could see dozens of Catholic religious walking the streets of Chicago on a Sunday. Uh, this was normal, and uh, you could even recognize the different habits. But two generations having gone by since then, I'm afraid most people under the age of 50 haven't seen very many people in religious habits and assume that if you're in one, uh, I was once uh, called a Hare Krishna when I was walking around downtown. Uh, there's that kind of ignorance in our society, and it's because we have made uh, religion a private matter. Uh, we are spiritual but not religious. Today's liturgical celebration has its origins in theological debates that go back uh, more than 50 years. They actually happened in the first centuries of the second millennium. And one of the great mysteries of medieval history is the origin of certain dualistic heresies that began to appear with increasing frequency in the 11th century. Dualism is a genus of heresies uh, that usually posits a dark force and a light force, and they're sort of equally contending with each other for mastery of the universe, of the cosmos. And normally, the material world is seen as something evil, and so one has to escape the material world in order to be saved. So medieval dualists known as Cathars or Albigensians uh, would say this, that the material world is somehow infected with evil. It's, it was the production of an evil deity, not a good deity. To find the good deity, you have to leave this world. Postmodernists among us are likely to be sympathetic to such groups, you know, to, to each his own, whatever, uh, you know, whatever you happen to believe is fine, uh, especially if you're in the 12th century and it doesn't really bother me. But the denial of the goodness of the body has a lot of problematic consequences, as you can imagine. So uh, a subset of the Cathars, the perfect, uh, would actually starve themselves to death. That was sort of the great triumph over the body, was to kill it by not eating, because food itself was infected with this evil principle of material. Another consequence of this is that the good God is not nearby. He's somewhere else. The God of this world is, uh, is uh, this evil principle, and so we have to get out of here somehow. And those who aren't smart enough to know how to do this are just uh, doomed to live in this infected reality. Now, among the many joys of celebrating God's real presence in the Holy Eucharist, in the sacrament of the altar, is the consequences of this. <coughs> that God is actually present, the good God, and not only that, he made everything. The material world is actually good as we read in Genesis 1. God looks at creation and says, it is good. He looks at human beings, the crown of the creation, and he says, it is very good. And human beings are body and soul. 
We're not separated out. The body isn't some mistake. It isn't an, an oversight on God's part. It's actually part of what makes us destined to be greater than the angels. Angels don't have bodies. Christ's ascension and Our Lady's assumption raised them to a place in heaven above the angels. Our Lady is called Queen of the Angels precisely because the body that we've been given is a particular gift from God and we live out our relationship with God by being bodies and souls. So it is true that we are locked in a deadly struggle. The Cathars had that right. But the dividing line is not between the physical and the spiritual. And again, as I, as I sort of alluded to at the beginning, they might be the first uh, spiritual but not religious believers. You know, So spiritual stuff is fine, but religious stuff where I've got to actually do things in this world in front of other people, I'm that. <laughs> right? But the dividing line isn't there. Good and evil cuts right across the whole of our experience, and it infects us both in the physical and in the spiritual realm. Our bodies get sick and fall apart and die, and that's not good for the body. But our spirits get sick, and they can die too, and that's even worse. Uh, But we don't separate the two out from each other. The human person is flesh and blood, spirit and soul. And it is fitting that the medicine, the remedy for the, the evils in the world, is the Holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And not only are we healed from what infects us, uh, but we are made whole in, in the entirety of our human nature. We are also united to the divine. So St. Augustine has this wonderful phrase, normally when we eat something, we, tra- we change it into ourselves, right? It, we, it becomes part of our body. But the interesting thing about the Eucharist is it transforms us into Christ's body. It has this sort of inverse effect. We who consume the bread of life partake of the divine life now. We are made one with Jesus Christ, not only in spirit, but mystically in body as well. Too often we are sheepish about this glorious aspect of the church. Again, it's it's nice to find personal peace and delight spending time alone with Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, and it's, that's a good practice. But when it comes to finding Christ uh, where he has also chosen to dwell, in the hearts of the other baptized, in the society of the Catholic Church, we become oddly embarrassed, as if Jesus had, again, made some miscalculation by dwelling in a body um, and choosing to offer himself to these persons and institutions as food. Uh, Now, implied in this is that it is all right for Christ to offer himself to me and other good people and institutions. And uh, and if I put it in this way, I think we can see that we can dispense with that line of reasoning and come to our task. So as we partake of Christ's body and blood today, we go forth to honor God, and those who will participate in the procession will do so publicly. We're going to walk around the streets of Bridgeport with our Lord in a very visible and material way. But as we do this, let us look at our hearts and see if we can't have more and more solicitude for the souls today who are tempted to make the mistake of the Cathars, who want to be spiritual and not religious, who want uh, to personalize and individualize truth rather than submit to truth and be transformed by it. 
through the sacraments of the Church. And if it turns out that I or we are ashamed in some way of the presence of our loving Creator and Savior in the Blessed Sacrament and in the Church, can we really be bearers of good news to those who reject the Church and the sacraments? So let us pray for the transformation of our own hearts, that the Eucharist will deepen our faith and our love, that we might truly be bearers of Christ's presence, members of his body, bringing the good news to a world very much in search of him.